are starting a new series called Emotions. And uh, the whole idea behind this series is that we've got a lot of emotions and uh, oftentimes we don't know what to do with them. And uh, there are times and spaces where we need a little help uh, when we're feeling some of these emotions. I don't know if you, how you're feeling right now. Uh, are you feeling... Well, give me an idea. How are you feeling right now? If I, no curse words, okay? Uh, but just, you know, in general, you know, how are you feeling? Beauty? Yeah, all right, great. Anyone else? How are you feeling? Tired. Tired, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of emotions that we get kind of settle on us over a period of time, right? I mean, we experience a lot of them during throughout the day, but these emotions settle on us over a period of time. It could be unsettled. It could be anxious or worried. You know, it could be filled with joy. I mean, this is, could be a season for you of beauty, or uh, it could be a season for you of sadness or anger. Uh, there's a lot of different emotions that we feel. And uh, what I put out there on your chairs is this, uh, this wheel so grab this uh, piece of paper, share it with the person next to you. Uh, if you don't want to share it with the person next to you, just look over the shoulder. Uh, and this is a wheel of emotions. So in the center are the six base emotions. Now, most men will identify with these six. Well, mostly all of them, right? Many of you men out there can't really figure out all your emotions yet. So this sermon will be great for you, all right? There's fear, anger, sadness, surprise, joy, and love, right? We can kind of say those are the basic emotions that we all feel. And as we go outside of the circle, the women are going to start perking up in, in, the, in the room here and online and going, oh, yes, I have, I have all of these emotions. And the men are going to go, I don't know what those are. <laughs> I've heard of those before, but I'm not sure if I felt them before. Uh, <clears throat> And so what I wanted to talk about, first of all, is that there are all kinds of emotions. Many of us haven't processed the kinds of things that we've gone through in our life in order to understand our emotions to begin with. Uh, I read a book uh, years ago. Uh, it's called Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. And uh, basically what this is, is this saying that men are like waffles. There's little boxes and waffles, right? You know how there's little boxes and waffles? And men's Thoughts and emotions reside in these little boxes. So, uh, and this is in general, right? Of course, this is just in general to, you know, generalizations, but some women are probably like this and some men are probably not. But in general, most men live in little boxes. And so there's my work box where I put all my emotions and feelings and thoughts in my work box. And then there's my tinkering box, right? Where I go out into the garage or I've got ho hobbies and I, all my thoughts and feelings and emotions go in that box. Women, pay attention here. This is really important for you to understand the men in your life. <clears throat> there are boxes for family. There's boxes for your spouse. Uh, men relax in boxes, televisions, refrigerators, couches, uh, computer screens. Uh, these are the th ways that men relax. Um, the thing is with boxes is, is that they're rational and logical. So if Ladies, if you call your husband or your partner and he's at work and you ask him to go into the relationship box with you, he's probably not going to remember when he gets home that he had that conversation. Any women can identify with this? Oh, yeah. So she says to you, can you pick up milk? You drive home, you pull in the driveway, you open up the family box, the relationship box, and realize, oh yeah, I was supposed to get milk. So you have to now go back out and get milk. Um, but the thing with men is, is that they are logical in their thinking and their emotions 
rely mostly on memories. For women, emotions rely mostly on words. So now, a man is in his box and he's uh, uh, feeling things but doesn't have the words necessarily to express all of the emotions that are in those boxes. As a matter of fact, I had to go to a counselor and sit down with this emotion wheel and walk through all of these emotions and kind of sift through how I was feeling. So for instance, guys, you can all identify with me. Anger, there's a lot of things that you know, we react with the emotion of anger, uh, which are actually a whole bunch of other things, like anger and sadness are, are both there together. We will act in anger when we're sad, when we're hungry, when we're alone, right? When we're, when, when we're tired, uh, and we will react in anger. But then there's all of these other emotions out there, and it, and it took me a while to ask the question, what am I actually feeling? Am I really feeling angry? No, I'm not feeling angry. I'm, I'm feeling hurt or unhappy or I'm feeling jealous or exasperated or aggravated. And all of a sudden now my anger started to be able to be put into words and categories that I could think and feel. Now women are like spaghetti. Now your brains are not like spaghetti, but your, your emotions are like spaghetti. They're, they're all tumbled up together and they're crossed over one another and they, uh, they slip from one to another. So uh, just, I'm just gonna read this to you guys because you can all identify with this, with the woman in your life, right? This is her lady's name is, this lady's name is Joan. She says, honey, how was your day? I had a good day today. We just committed to a new educational wing at the university and I've been asked to oversee the budget. I'm so excited that they didn't rule me out because I'm a woman. You know, women have been fighting for a place in society for decades and it's good to see so much progress is being made. I think it's neat that you treat women who work with you with so much respect. Our daughter is so lucky that, for you, that she had a dad. Did you remember that Susie has a soccer game tonight? I think it's important that we're there because the Johnsons are going to be there and I really want to meet them. Susie and Bethany are going to be good friends and I think that we should get to know her parents as well and he's like what has that got to do with my day <laughs> everything says the woman exactly and all of those emotions slip from one to another so now there's one single emotion I'm feeling uh, you know uh, curious about your day but now every time I feel curious all of the other emotions in my mind that have anything slightly to do with curiosity come flooding in and they become part of my verbal process. It says most women do this, becomes part of my verbal process in order to communicate with you. And a man will be wanting to fix the problem or fix the scenario and has no idea what to do. He has no idea what to say. As a matter of fact, uh, men have empty boxes. Ladies, men can slip into an empty box and feel nothing. Just like that. And if you catch, and funny, they catch you when you're in the empty box all the time because you've got this blank stare on your eyes. You're not really seeing anything in front of you. And you're just there enjoying the peace of nothing. And they look at you and they say, honey, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? And there's a mad scramble for the poor guy to go to the nearest box to try and figure out what he's feeling. He's going to this box here and that box there. And he's just like, honestly, nothing. I really, and women don't believe it at all. They just, I had this conversation with a woman this week and she said, I don't believe that for one second. I said, it's true. We have this beautiful place <laughs> where nothing happens and we feel nothing. 
Can I get an amen from the men? Yeah. We're all, we all know. Women are able to process a whole lot more emotions than men are. As a matter of fact, uh, when they examine your brain uh, and they talk about emotions, uh, women use both sides of their brains to uh, discuss and talk about emotions. They access the right side of the brain, the left side of the brain. One is supposed to be more uh, logical, the other one's supposed to be more emotional. But for some reason, they're able to access both sides of their brain, and men only access one. They only go to one side of their brain in order to access those emotions. It's no wonder the women can multitask. They can do things like carry the baby, Puts, plug in the toaster, talk about what's going on, uh, you know, have this list going on the counter and say goodbye to their husband all in the same breath. You know, they, they're just able to do all kinds of different things. But what do we do with the emotions that are so powerful that sometimes that we just are stuck in, we just don't know what to do? Or do, is there really a way that God actually speaks to us about our emotions? I don't know if you knew this or not, but Jesus in the New Testament, in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, there are 37 emotions, 37 different emotions identified as being exhibited by Jesus. He got to the whole outside of the ring, guys. And if he can do it, we can do it too. I know it's going to be hard for some of you, all right? But the, the women, in your, women in your life will thank you. I mean, Jesus did this in all kinds of different situations. He experienced very, very powerful emotions. <clears throat> he grieved. When uh, he looked over Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was, in, in a few years, going to be destroyed. And he knew that it was going to be destroyed. And he watched the people from on top of the hill, and he could feel that they were not going to be close to God, that they were going to be rebellious, and that the city was going to be destroyed. And the Bible says that he grieved over what was going to happen. Religious leaders cared more about rules than about a relationship with God. And Jesus got angry with them all the time for this. I don't know if you know church people like this. Maybe you've had this experience and it's why you stopped going to church and maybe why other people in your life have stopped going to church because some people were more concerned about the rules than about Jesus and a relationship with him. And they became gatekeepers to keep people out because they weren't following the rules. That made Jesus angry. He sent 72 of his followers out. He sent first of out the 12, and then he sent out 72 and said, go, preach the kingdom of God, heal the sick, cast out demons. And they came back, and they're like, we did miracles in your name, Jesus. It's incredible what had happened. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was overjoyed. And then, of course, we covered this in the last few weeks around Easter, about the agony that Jesus experienced going to the cross. We might even say that he was depressed. The Bible says that that he was so low in spirit that he asked his father to take him out of this world. What does that say to you? It says to me that he was contemplating suicide. Now, he was perfect, and he didn't give in to those things, but even those strong emotions from Jesus... Well, today what I want to do is I want to talk about one of those strong emotions, that feeling when you are hurting, right? I don't know where you're hurting in your life, but some of you are hurting. Some of you need to hear this message. And I want to start this series on emotions and, uh, and talk about how Jesus met 
people when they were hurting. So we're going to turn it over to Marie, who's going to uh, lead us in the reading of Scripture. And from, it's coming from Luke chapter 11, uh, pardon me, Luke chapter 7, verses 11 to 16. Luke 7, 11 to 16. Jesus raises a widow's son. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Thanks, Marie. So there's this funeral procession. Jesus is walking from one town to another. He continues to do what he'd been doing all along. He'd been preaching about the kingdom of God. He'd been healing the sick and he was casting out demons. And there was this time where Jesus got to teach and to communicate the, the message of the kingdom of God, that God is, wants to be in a relationship with you and, and follow. Anyway, so Jesus is doing all this, moving from one town to another. And in the process of moving from this one town to another, he went through the gates of the town of Nain, and there comes this funeral procession. Now, it's interesting to me that the Bible tells us that it was a large funeral procession. And he tells us a couple of things about what's going on. First of all, a widow is bringing out her son who has died. So there's a couple of things just to think about. Just imagine this for a minute. You've lost your husband. So now your financial, emotional, and spiritual, and uh, intellectual situation has changed dramatically. Some of you understand what it means to lose a family member. Everything changes. You don't see the world the same. So now she's lost her husband. She's lost her financial stability and support, her emotional stability and support. Maybe even the love of her life. I don't know. But she has lost all of that, and now she's lost her son. In addition to the emotional trauma of losing a child, this poor woman now has no hope for a future with any kind of certainty. Because if she was originally going to be relying upon her husband for some of those things, now that he was gone, she would have turned to her son to look after those things for her, especially in her old age. So it's no wonder that they said that there was a large crowd that gathered around. So imagine, a large crowd, sometimes they even paid mourners to, to join the large crowd. <laughs> imagine getting, have, that's your job, uh, is to wail and to weep at people's funerals. Uh, they would hire people to do this, and uh, there's a large crowd. This, this is a tragic situation, right? I just want you to imagine this for a minute. You're driving along the highway, and you come across a car accident. And you're, you, you're like, oh, I, I'm so sad about this. And you kind of, you know, you visualize this, you know, and, and, and it just really bothers you. And so now Jesus comes along at this situation and it says he had compassion on her. You know, the first thing that I, that I want you to, to think about is that Jesus went over and he touched this coffin. 
uh, Matthew chapter uh, 7, verse 13, the Bible says that the Lord saw her. Now, I jumped around. I got to go back. The Lord saw her. Um, There's a big difference between seeing someone and seeing someone, right? Do you understand what I mean? Yeah? You know, I see you, but there's other times when I really see you. And that second time when I'm describing, and I say the same words, but just in my tone, you know that it's way different. This whole situation is way different. That you can see somebody and you can, you can see somebody. It's almost as if you, you, you get a glimpse in the window into their soul. Just for a moment, you see their emotion, you see what's going on. And in this moment, I want you to just remember that Jesus saw her. He saw her pain. He saw her hurt. And I think he saw her hopelessness because of the situation that she found herself in. Forty times in the Gospels, it says that Jesus saw someone. Forty times, Jesus goes beyond just the normal act of viewing and eyesight to the place of seeing or knowing someone. That there's a depth of knowledge that came because he's the son of God, first and foremost, but because he paid attention in a moment. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone where they paid attention so long that you just felt like you connected on a deep level and they didn't say a word? They just saw you. They listened to you. They were able to hear beyond hearing. They were able to see beyond seeing. You know what? Um, Someone once said that the greatest need of humanity is for someone to be seen and heard this way. It's probably one of the greatest acts of love that you can give to someone. So, um, wherever he looked, he saw people. And in this situation, the Lord saw her. Now, um, I, I'm not good at seeing things oftentimes. I go home and um, I'll probably do what I've got to do all night long, sit and talk to AJ, have a conversation, go and watch something on my computer and not notice things. AJ, my wife, she's a noticer. Anyone have that in your life? That, that, you, are, that you have someone who's a noticer and you're not a noticer? Um, it gets me into trouble uh, because things will change in the house. You know, I don't notice that the dishes were done. I don't notice that there's something new on the wall. I don't notice that AJ's wearing something new or she's changed her hairstyle. So here's a pro tip for you men. Here's a pro tip for you men in the room. If you want to be a great noticer and not be a noticer, you just have to say, hey, dear, is there something different here? Covers it all. all. (laughs) Jesus noticed this woman, right? He saw her. He didn't miss any details in this process. She's a single mom. She lost her husband and now her only son. The Lord saw her. Now, what did Jesus feel? Right, the Bible tells us that the Jesus, Jesus felt compassion, but what did he really feel? He feels for you the same that he felt for this woman. I want to say that again. Jesus feels for you the same that he felt for this woman. If you're hurting, Jesus feels your hurt. 
this word in this, this text, this scripture verse, uh, uh, just put up the next one here. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. This word, this Greek word is called splagna. Isn't that a great word? Splagna. It's almost like you're throwing up. <laughs> splagna. Um, what, it, what it means literally is from the guts. From the, the, the earthy, you know, centered place where you just, like, you can physically, the emotion you can physically feel, right? You know, it's that sense of compassion that you have. You're like, oh my goodness, you can just feel it. And I want you to imagine, I, I started this story before, but now I'm going back to it. I want you to imagine driving down the highway and you see a car crash. And in your gut, you say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry that they had to go through. You feel it, Right? But now you get a little closer and you can see that there's an ambulance attendant working on trying to resuscitate the person on the ground. And all of a sudden you, you get this sense of compassion that grows even deeper from the sense of your gut, the middle of your gut. And you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this poor person is on the ground. And then you notice the cars and you recognize one of the cars. And you think to yourself, oh no, is this someone that I know? I mean, the, the accident on the 115 this past week, right? Closed down the 115. We saw a picture on the news. Somebody posted, I don't think it was you, Julie, who posted a picture of it online. Uh, and it's a black kind of little sports car. And AJ said, oh, I wonder if that's Aaron's car, right? My son, Aaron. It's that sense of, oh, you know, pulls you right in the middle. That's what the word splagda means. It means that kind of feeling. When Jesus saw her, He had compassion on her. He felt her hurt. He recognized her situation, that she's without a husband, that her only son is dead, and the grief was so overwhelming. He saw her hurt. The Lord saw her. He noticed her. And then he cared for her. I don't know who needs to hear this online. I don't know if you're there online and you need to hear this, that God cares for you. But if you're here today, maybe this is a message that God needs to share with you. All right, what are you in the midst of, maybe, that you need to think through? Maybe, how does Jesus care for you? Well, maybe you're in the midst of some emotional trauma and drama in your life, right? Maybe you're going through trying to save your marriage or you're trying to save a friendship relationship and all the emotions that are going on in the middle of that. Uh, Maybe you're anxious about paying the bills and you're worried about whether or not there's going to be enough money or resources in order to pay those bills. Uh, Maybe you've got teenagers who are driving you bananas and you wish that they weren't actually part of your family, but you do love them anyway. Or maybe you've got toddlers and you're so dead tired that you think to yourself, why did I have children? (laughs) You feel anxious, maybe, frustrated, afraid. I don't know what feelings that you've got that you've been going through, but Jesus saw this woman, he noticed her, and he cared for her. And he hurts with her. And then in verse 14, the last part of verse 14, he says, don't cry. And then he walks over to the coffin and touches it, and the bearer is stopped. So the pallbearers are... There, the bearers of the body stopped. Now, for Jesus to go and do this, I want you to understand what it was that he was actually doing. Because coffins are not the same today as they were back then. They actually didn't put people in pine boxes or uh, even like they did in the westerns. They would put a, a body 
that had been deceased and they would put it on a cart with wheels and there would be a little lip around it, but that's it. The body probably would have been wrapped in some kind of funeral shroud, but the body would have been open to the air. And Jesus comes over and touches the coffin, the Bible says. Now, the religious leaders were following because right at the beginning of this passage, it said the crowds were following Jesus. And we know over and over and over again that the Pharisees, these religious leaders who are all about the rules, were following Jesus around from city to city to try and catch him in some form of a lie or some sort of blasphemy so that they could uh, call him out as a charlatan. And when Jesus goes over and touches the coffin, you have to know that these Pharisees who created a little booklet, probably a little scroll that they carried around in their back pocket with the 613 rules that applied to the Ten Commandments. So they took the Ten Commandments and said, we're going to give now other rules that you have to follow. They drew a line in the sand a religious rule line that said, if you break one of these 613 rules, you are now unclean spiritually. And one of those rules was if you touch a dead body, you are spiritually unclean. Just think about that. Physically touching a dead body, now you're spiritually unclean. What kind of sense does that make? None. But for some reason, they got it in their head that because there was a dead body, death, and the Bible talks about, you know, stay away from corpses and, and, you know, dead things because they carry diseases. And somehow they came up with a rule that you can't touch anything that's dead. Your own son. Your husband. And they also had another rule that said, if something touches a dead body, if you touch that something, you are spiritually unclean. All Jesus had to do was touch the coffin, not even the boy himself, and he would have been considered unclean. Everybody would have been freaking out about this. All of the people there were afraid of the religious rulers of the day. They knew these laws and these rules. The Pharisees were very good at telling everybody the rules. And they would have been really upset with him for coming over to the coffin and touching the coffin. Why did Jesus do that? Because his love will not be set within boundaries. Jesus was a bit of a rule breaker, right? You know, we do this all the time. We set up rules uh, about our spiritual lives. We set up rules about our emotional selves. We tell ourselves lies often enough that we don't even want to do certain things because we've told ourselves for so long that that's wrong. And Jesus breaks through all of those things. When someone has told you that you're not worth it, that you're not worthy, If someone has said to you, you shouldn't feel those things, you shouldn't think that way, you shouldn't have those feelings that are going on in your head, uh, you then begin to put up protective walls. If you went to a church before and somebody said, sorry, you can't come in here dressed that way, or you can't behave that way, or, uh, you know, you, you obviously need God to do some stuff in your life first before you can be part of this group. Jesus was like, wait a minute. Those are crazy rules. Jesus saw her. He saw her hurt. He cared for her. And one of the ways that he cared for her was he crossed those religious boundaries and walked over and put his hand on this coffin, communicating that his love for her, his compassion for her, was real. 
that it went beyond the rules and the regulations. You know, as a church, we are often uh, in a place where we have to be careful about how we do certain things because inadvertently we might create rules or boundaries that actually keep people out. We're not a church that does that. We're a church that goes beyond those rules, goes beyond those boundaries and reaches out to people who see themselves as far from God. And our job is to bring them to a place where they experience the love of God in such a way that they can identify not only with God's love, but the fact that Jesus had the same emotions that we have. Jesus felt the same things that we felt. He felt all of these emotions. Just think about it for a minute. If you look at this wheel for a minute and you think to yourself, did Jesus really feel speechless, awestruck, astonished? Could he really have felt miserable, disheartened, dismayed, guilty, isolated? Yes, I can take you to different scripture verses where Jesus felt those things. And maybe you're ready today for a touch like Jesus gave. You see, because he touches the casket and the boy gets up. He went over and touched the casket and everybody gasped at what he did by breaking the rules and the boundaries and the boy himself gasps for air and sits up. And whether Jesus carried him because he was smaller or he helped him get off the the cart on his own because he was older, we don't know, but he brought him over to this woman and said, uh, we didn't say anything, he said, "Here, here you are, this is your son. Young man, I, get, I tell you, get up. And he went over back to his mother. Some of you are waiting for a touch like that in your own life, that you, there's some hurt going on, there's some emotional pain that you're feeling, that you need a touch from God in your life. Something that brings you hope, because just think about what happened when Jesus brought that young man to his mother. What do you think she was feeling? First of all, astonished that her son's alive. But the realizations must have started to come through that my life is no longer hopeless. That my life actually might be filled with some hope. That there is hope once again that I can look forward to in the future. When you're in the middle of grief, you feel the hopelessness of the situation. This woman probably would beyond the fact that maybe she thought that he was going to heaven. She would be left alone. Just one touch. Jesus saw her. He cared for her. And he touched. He's alive again. He comes back to life, carries the boy, he walks him over, and he gives her son back to him. Hope comes back. Let me ask you again about your emotional state. Let me ask you again, like I did at the beginning, how are you feeling? What's in front of you going on in your life that's giving you an, an extended sense of emotion or one emotion or two emotions? Are you frustrated, afraid, desperate? Do you feel a sense of hopelessness? 
Are you irritated, agitated, angry? I want you to cry out to God. This woman was crying, weeping, crying out to God for God to do something. And Jesus stepped in and healed this young man and restored hope to his life. Cry out to God in the midst of your hurt. Jesus knows what you feel when you're feeling it because he felt it. He understands and he's able to sympathize. And that word splagda, you know, like that gut reaction to your situation. Jesus has compassion for you. Cry out to him. Cast all your cares on him. Because he notices. And he loves you. He cares more for you than you can imagine. So I want you to pray with me. Normally I end a prayer, end a message with a prayer and it's usually, you know, a way for me to to maybe summarize some things that I've said or, or to pray on your behalf about what I've said. But I want you to just take this minute in a, in a little different way. I want you to take this prayer and pray with me the words of the scripture. I'm not gonna read them word for word, but I'm just gonna pray, pray through them for a minute and, and ask you to, to think with me as I think about these things. And maybe you'll get to a point someplace during this prayer where you're going to identify with what I'm saying and you need to say something to Jesus about it. I'm not asking you to stand up. I'm not asking you to say any words. I'm, no, don't worry. I'm, I'm not, there's no come forward and you know, do any of that. But in your mind, right where you are, you may have to say, Lord, I, I need that. You might be saying, Lord, I, I need to change that. I need to submit to that. I need to turn this over to you, cry out to you. Let's pray. Father, we pray now in the name of the one who resurrected life. Lord, we pray that you would touch those who are hurting, those who are afraid and those who are confused and those who feel alone and those who feel lost. Lord, this church in this space, and if you're online, for all of you who are streaming, whatever, whether it's later in the week, if you want to say, I, I need to feel and experience the compassion of Jesus, I want to know that he cares. I want you to, to listen to me as I pray. You might be saying, I, I need a touch. That I need Jesus to, to touch me in my heart and my emotions. I just need a touch right now. Lord, send a beam of light into my world. A word. Maybe one of the lyrics from the next song we're going to sing or, or just a moment from this message. Lord, would you send that into my life? I need a touch from you. A word of encouragement, a prayer. Maybe a scripture, God. Maybe just one word. God, would you, would you recognize uh, and believe and take it to the bank? Would you allow us to recognize what it is, believe it, and take it to the bank? That you noticed us, that you see our pain, that you care from the depths of compassion. God, if you, as you love us, would you also give us compassion for others? Compassion for the hurting and the broken and the afraid and the lost. 
God, would you give this church, give us all that we need to show your compassion to those who need your love. Make us line crossers, rule breakers, not drawing lines to keep people out, but crossing lines, doing whatever it it needs to be done to to take away those lines. Anything short of sin to reach people who don't know you. And for those of you who are hurting today, God, would you just reveal to them how much you notice them, how much you care. Give them one touch. It doesn't matter what you're doing in your life right now. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what those dark secrets are, that thing from the past that you're ashamed of, all those things that you, you would die if anybody knew. Our God still loves you. He loves you more than you can ever imagine. And in a very real sense, you could kind of say, God did something in me that was thoughtful. He crossed a line. It was emotional. He became one of us. He became the person, Jesus, who doesn't shout his love from the heavens. He showed us his love from earth here. When Jesus crossed the line to reach out to those that religion rejected He was perfect. He never sinned. But he knew exactly how we feel. And I just want you to know, I want you to be reminded that anything that's dead in your life can come back again. Can come back to life again. That God can make it new. That he can transform it into something beautiful. That there is hope. That when God touches your life, life is renewed. And if you cry out to him, you can receive this touch from Jesus. Some of you just need to say, Lord, I need you. Some of you need to say, I need that touch from you. And some of you, you're going to need to be Jesus with skin on and show that kind of compassion to others. Lord, give us what we stand in need of. In Jesus' name, amen.